Support for Talk the Towns comes from the Maine Community Foundation, partnering with donors and nonprofits statewide to strengthen Maine communities through grants and scholarships on the web at maincf.org. And the time is 10 o'clock. This is Community Radio, WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming worldwide at weru.org. Stay tuned for Talk of the Towns with your host, Ron Beard. Good morning and welcome to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. We try to go beyond the headlines to make sense of the issues facing Maine communities, to share what works, to seek alternative solutions. Talk of the Towns is produced with support from Cooperative Extension, the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine, with offices statewide. Cooperative Extension puts knowledge to work with the people of Maine, and like WERU, whose mission is to be a voice of many voices, operates out of a sense that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, and our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio, in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be a benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. The secret of good teaching is to regard the child's intelligence as a fertile field in which seeds may be sown, to grow in the heat of flaming imagination. We seek to sow life in the child. That quote from Maria Montessori goes to the heart of the educational approach that bears her name. And our program this morning will profile the Corner Spring Montessori School in Belfast, hearing from teachers, a parent, and a board member about their approach to education and what they see growing in the lives of the children they nurture and the adults they become. I'm glad to welcome folks from the Corner Spring Montessori School to our studios this morning. Welcome to Paula Johnson. Paula is the um, the uh, leader of the Corner Spring Montessori School. Paula, welcome. Thank you for having us. Right. Also <coughs> with her, she brought uh, Cindy uh, Scapatici, who was the head teacher in the lower em- elementary um, group. Welcome to you, Cindy. Good morning. We also have um, Matt O'Malia, who's a board member, and Anne Seguis, who's a, a parent. So welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thanks. Perhaps each of you could um, give a little bit of background, um, starting with Paula, about um, how she came to the, the notion of Montessori School, uh, what, were, what was in your own background that said, I want to I do this. Sure. Um, well, I started out, it was quite by accident, and I think things, uh, it's interesting how our paths are drawn that way. Uh, I started working with young children uh, in high school with the intention that I was going to go to school to be a vet. Um, Mm. And I started to realize as I worked at a Montessori school in an after-school care program that I really liked this uh, methodology and I wanted to learn more. And so that's how I got started. And that was over 20 years ago. And then uh, from there, I worked at a variety of schools uh, and then began Corner Spring Montessori School. Uh, It's going on over 10 years now. Great. What was it about that approach that (coughs) first kind of caught your imagination, do you suppose? Well, I found it interesting that children could move around in a classroom and actually there was not chaos. Uh (laughs) And, Uh um, and, And they were moving around with purpose and... Uh, there was just this fascination of what the materials in the classroom, what were they for, what were they doing, and the children had 
conversations that seemed a little beyond what I thought children were able to do at that at that time. I know better now. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, that just really fascinated me. And then I also noticed that there was a way of respect about how to interrupt and how to be in a community. And there was this little community of three to six-year-olds that were working better than uh, adult communities were working. And I just found that I wish I'd gone to a school like that. <laughs> mm. Well, it sounds like it was something that you saw almost immediately. You could actually see something and hear something different. Oh, oh yeah, and it, was, it just sparked a lot of curiosity. Great. Um, well, uh, Cindy, tell us a little bit about your, your background and how you came to um, work in the Montessori setting. Well, um, my arrival in Montessori is a bit different. Um, I started out in, as a public school teacher, and I had 20 years of experience in a public school. After four, my first four years, our district decided to look into a multi-age approach, and one of the teachers came and said, Cindy, you'd be good for that. And I said, well, I don't know anything about that, but I'll give it a try. And I taught a um, multi-age classroom of uh, third, fourth, and fifth graders for 10 years. And when the program was dissolved, I had to go back into a graded classroom, and it was almost impossible for me to do that because I had spent 10 years with children directing their own learning and me being a facilitator, and to find myself back in the role of being the keeper of all the knowledge, dispersing it to the children was something I didn't want to be a part of. So I started looking into alternative programs and alternative methods of um, educating and um, made a couple of visits to Montessori schools and was impressed with the calmness and the focus that I saw on the children in those schools. And even though they were all doing different work, they were all totally engaged in their work and looked more into that and got my training and now I've been at Corn Spring for four years mm -hmm. in the elementary program. Great. So that sense of purpose, again, something very tangible mm -hmm. that you could see that perhaps was not present elsewhere. Yes. Right. Yeah, right. Definitely. So Matt, you're both a board member and a parent. Tell us a little about your introduction to, to Montessori education. Yeah, well, it definitely started as being a parent. And when my wife and I, we had our first child, when she was two, we were looking for you know, both a daycare situation and also something that would provide education, something that should make her happy <clears throat> and feel like it was a productive use of her time. And uh, we were living in Belfast, and at that time, Paula Johnson started the Montessori School in Belfast, Corner Spring, and she had also a son who is two as well. So those two among, I think, five or six other children were the first class, and we said, let's try this. I thought Paula was extremely brave to do it, but we realized right away that she's also extremely talented and her knowledge and the ability to um, work with the children and be with the children and just the environment that she created from the very beginning um, was amazing. The school did very well. It was, became very popular just because it was a beautiful alternative. And we were extremely happy with how our daughter was and what she was learning and how happy she was and engaged in, in, the, in the learning environment. So as the school grew, I became more involved with it. Uh, one of the, after a few years, we, I helped to do the, an addition so they could provide a kindergarten year. And then we continued to work together and uh, as it became a not-for-profit and I became a board member, um, we expanded then into the full elementary that it is today. And so it's grown quite a bit, but in doing so, it's been this great opportunity to meet, for me to be involved both in my children's education, uh, the wonderful learning environment that Montessori provides, but it also has been, I think, uh, a value to the community because I think in a small mid-coast community like Belfast, to have alternatives for uh, families when they're moving to the area 
that, that that's a value and it adds a diversity that is sought after. So for me, it's been a, a path that's been based on helping my children meet their needs, but also help the community along as well as this wonderful school. Mm. And it sounds like you were able to some, use some of your architectural background in helping with that addition. <laughs> that came in handy. That's that great. came in handy, yeah. It was, it was fun to think about spaces um, that would facilitate what Montessori needed, which was really based on a child's perception. Mm -hmm. And working with Paula and uh, developing that understanding of materials and space and, and just how they move through the day was, was a beautiful challenge. Mm, good. Well, let's turn now to Ann Seguis. Ann, you're a parent of a current student. Tell us a little bit about how you came to Montessori as an op option. Like Matt's kids, my son started at two and a half. And by the time it came time to look at our elementary options in the area, I, there just wasn't any turning back. <laughs> so <laughs> Montessori gives a lot of attention to um, learning about and respect for the natural world, which is important to me. Um, these children have a very high understanding of geology, for example. Mm -hmm. Henry can explain all the different sorts of rocks at, at seven and, and really understand how they came to be formed and how you're going to end up finding them in a particular area. And there's a deeper understanding there than just opening up a book and reading about something that, that some scientist wrote down when they wrote the textbook. Mm -hmm. And I, that's what I want for him. Mm -hmm. so. Cindy, how did, uh, you, did you help with that geology le lesson? How did, how did that come about? How did you kind of um, introduce geology as a topic for fairly young children? Mm -hmm. um, well, Dr. Montessori designed a curriculum for the elementary program that's um, based on understanding of the universe. So we start our children um, at the beginning of the year, learning about how the universe was formed and the planets, and the part of the geology was the actual examination of how the Earth is formed. And we kind of take their lead on it. This year, geology has been the big topic. They're all interested in rocks, and we did some work with the periodic table of elements earlier in the year, so they're able to even to identify what elements compose the different types of rocks. And at, on the playground, they're picking up rocks and carrying them into the classroom <laughs> and um, bringing in their collections. And um, we'll probably be studying it till the end of the year. They're really fascinated by it. Well, let's return to, to Paula and, and ask some of the, the basic elements of a Montessori education. What would you say kind of underlies um, what you might see when you walk in? There's something that's underlying that that, that came from um, Maria Montessori's kind of thinking. So, well, just to tie in on mm. what Cindy was just saying, I mean, one of the things about the basic elements of Montessori is that we, we, we take a child's interest and we go with it. And there's so much that can happen just in one interest. You still can get your math in. You can still get your language in. You can get um, even geography and, um, you know, and geometry all in just on a study of rocks. And this happens to be, you know, the Great Impressions, which is Maria Montessori's um, curriculum in a, in a six to nine level class where they start learning about the earth and how it was formed sparks this interest and if the interest is really wide then we take that interest and keep going with it um, based on their direction and so to the basic elements in a Montessori classroom we do have a set of apparatuses that build on on uh, knowledge and it starts by taking something abstract and making it more concrete and 
for example, Anne mentioned, rather than reading from a book, they can actually hold the rocks and bring and see them and, and look at them with a microscope or, or a magnifying glass. There's uh, nature shelves in the classroom if kids collect things and they want them to be viewed. Uh, the math materials, for another example, which are Maria Montessori's, uh, I feel her brilliance uh, was it really showed through in, in that, uh, in an academic phase, starts out taking a real uh, abstract way of thinking and math and breaking it down into the most simplest forms in a concrete fashion. Uh, children are able to manipulate and understand and hold a 10, a 10 is a 10, uh, feel that it's bigger than one. When they get into more um, math operations, they can actually manipulate uh, beads and, and really feel the function of what, what that is in a concrete way. It's also structured where everyone, um, where we don't just, we don't simply teach facts or formulas. It's really a way we, a, a method that t helps children learn how to learn, how, how to find that information and spark that, um, that inspire, we, the word inspire keeps coming back to me. How do, to, ins we just keep inspiring children to, um, instead of requiring them to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the other basic, um, element of Montessori is that it's really uh, allows for a lot of movement mm. and with that and and that's part of a human tendency that we have we it's very difficult for or it's an, an expectation sometimes in traditional schools to have children sit for long periods of time and that's really uh, proven even in a neurological sense that that doesn't work for children or adults for that matter uh, that we need to have a constant movement and so the environment allows for that um, constantly and children are if you s look into a Montessori classroom you'll see a lot of children moving around and they'll be either working on the floor or at the at a table they might stop and get a snack when they need to um, so they're able to take care of their own basic needs within that environment. Does that go back to um, Maria Montessori's observation of, of education as, as kind of preparing people for industrial settings? And you know, we want people in desks because they're going to work at you know, benches. I mean, is that part of what, what she was thinking and seeing at all? No. 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 You mean that that we but were that, preparing that, them for that, that kind education of was was much more structured oh. because we were leading people to you know an, an industrial world. Well, you know, here in the United States, um, schools during the Rockefeller time in, of the industrial movement were designed to look like the you know industry. You'd have the desks. They give some autonomy to to. Um, students but not a lot and they really had a master at the head of the, the the school and our world isn't like that anymore we don't need to prepare children in that way and and Maria Montessori knew that that wasn't a, what was natural for humans um, anyway so she never felt that that was a preparation right. I, think I thought you were asking me if the, if it was to prepare them no, for that no, no I think I think it was yeah. in opposition exactly. to that view of, of how education worked perhaps. yeah I don't know if she was particularly in opposition as much as that she was a scientist and mm -hmm. she really studied children and she just was trying out methods that worked um, and sh and she was finding a lot of self-discovery uh, um, for her her own self even and then later on in her life she she learned 
not just the basic of uh, academic awareness, but also the spiritual awareness. So mm. that came a little bit later on in her her studies or as she grew. And um, which, you know, I just want to mention that the big difference between a Montessori, you know, elementary program and more traditional setting is that the teacher isn't the, as you use the word, Cindy, master of, of knowledge, the keeper of knowledge. We, we set the environment and we facilitate it but it's really guided by the children, and we are the observers and the the bridge that helps bridge them to that. Mm. Um, Cindy, what would you add to that kind of underlying, some of those underlying beliefs that M- Maria Montessori kind of um, helped people understand? Mm-hmm. Um, when I was doing research on her life, one of the things that impressed me was that she... Um, observed that children were trying to, being asked to conform to an adult um, environment, and she wanted to provide an environment that was geared towards them. So she was actually the person who set up classrooms with small chairs and small tables and small sinks and everything else they needed. It was their size, rather than have them adapt things so that they could fit into the adult um, environments. Um, so, yeah, I think yeah. That, that notion of, of observing children and saying, oh, this is what children need, is, is I think that's at the heart of uh, all good educators. And yet um, you're providing an alternative that may help other people understand, oh, we, we may need to modify the rest of education right. in, in that direction. Mm-hmm. I'll just remind listeners that they're tuned to Talk of the Towns. We're talking about Montessori education um, using Belfast's Corner Spring Montessori School as, a, as an example. And in the studio with us, we have, um, you've just heard from uh, Cindy Scapatici, who is the head teacher at the low elementary level for um, this uh, Montessori school, Paula Johnson. Um, what's your title, Paula? I'm a director and a head teacher. Director so and head teacher, thank you. Um, uh, along with them are Matt O'Malia, who's a board member and a parent, and Ann Seguise, who's a parent. And later on, we'll open up our phone lines, but right now I'd like to learn a little bit more about some of um, uh, the human tendencies that you see that you try to nurture um, through the Montessori education. Um, well, there's a lot of human t- tendencies, so I'd have to you know, yeah, put them down to a, so there's a human tendency to explore. Okay. Okay. Uh, to move, um, to care, um, share with a group to collaborate. That's a human tendency. Um, and interestingly enough, it's what we're seeing in the new blueprints for schools, uh, for a future of what children need to know for the workplace. Um, the, there's a human tendency to be independent, make decisions, uh, be creative. Uh, there's a whole list. Right. Um, and and, and uh, my, I've, we've done yeah. shows on nonviolent communication here. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with that mm-hmm. that work? It seems to me that there's some real great parallels to to that work, and, and he describes those as human needs. Mm-hmm. And Maria Montessori talks about human tendencies, but they're talking about something that is part of the spirit, <laughs> something that right. wants to grow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, and I see I see also nonviolent communication as also a separate entity as itself, but. Um, to go back to what motivates people, I, I was uh, recently reading a book called uh, Drive by Daniel Pink, and an uh, interesting parallel to Montessori is that there he mentioned there are three things. Well, there's the basic human ten- needs that we have, our drives, like we need to feed ourselves, and we need to make a monetary a salary that's going to help us survive for, for our, ba- our, our basic needs. Um, but then there's this third drive, which um, 
in, includes autonomy and mastery and purpose. And that's in, and if you look at any two-year-old, they you know they don't need a can a carrot dangled in front of them to motivate them. They automatically go to what they need or what they want to do, and they're busy and they're bustling and playing in puddles and all those kind of things. And that um, in a Montessori classroom, you'll see those things happening. You have the sense of self. You have the need to find um, mastery by repetition of work that they do. And then um, the purpose that they have is in, in a small, in the three to six classroom, three to six year olds, they have a, they develop a learning how to be a community and how to get along and how to work out problems and problem solve. If there's a issue on the playground, we bring it to the whole circle and we all try to find resolutions to it. But taking care of the classroom environment is part of it. Uh, and there's a whole mm. list of things. And then when you go into a six to nine class, um, which Cindy could probably speak to, you still have those uh, needs to take care of the in classroom environment, but it starts to go outside of that classroom environment into the local community. Um, and also, there's a lot more work done around problem solving and um, care for each other and respect that sometimes we can throw our whole, you know, a, a lesson that we had planned away just to work out a problem because that's part of the, that's part of what it t means to be a community. Mm. Um, do you so want to add to that? Sure, I'd say that um, one of the big works that face six to nine-year-old children is um, finding their social skills, and um, that impacts our classroom in some pretty wonderful ways. We had an announcement yesterday afternoon that we had to have a class meeting, right? We had to stop everything and have a class meeting because we were still using unkind words when we were reminding each other what we all <laughs> needed to be doing. and. Um, Children took that meeting on their on their own. Someone chose to lead it and put the problem out to the classroom, and they worked together to come up with solutions, made a promise that they would try to remember their um, kind words. And um, they see keeping the community of the classroom calm and peaceful as part of their important work so that they can all do the learning that they need to do. So we do put a lot of our energy and our time during the day into keeping those um, relationships, which is another need and tendency mm -hmm. of um, humans, uh, positive. Mm -hmm. And Anne and Matt, how, how, how have you seen that in your own children? How do you, have you seen some of these things kind of nurtured? Um, Anne? I think what I see out of, out of these is, is when we're out in the community and the Montessori kids are mixed with everybody else and young and old. The Montessori kids have really internalized a sense of purpose in their life, and they, they're they the ones that, that, when things are a little chaotic, go get the group together and say, you know, how are we going to make this a meaningful experience? How are we going to learn something out of this place? And not, I don't mean learn some great massive lesson, but make things, they want their experiences to be purposeful and positive. Mm. And they have the tools to make that happen and to, and to influence their world mm -hmm. to, to make it a better place. Can you think of a specific example with, with your child of, of how um, they've kind of taken that and run with it? Besides geology, think about that. <laughs> think about that. And, I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll ask Matt some of the same questions. But if you think of an example, I that will. would be great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think 
what as a parent has been compelling. I have an oldest daughter who's gone through the program and is now into middle school, but I also have two boys who are in, uh, in Cindy's class, actually. Mm. And to see the level of care and emphasis put on their social interaction in the classroom, which on one level to me it becomes abstract, but the reality is when they're home, the lessons that they've learned, you know, their politeness or consideration of each other, they're, they still squabble like any, but they have the skills and the vocabulary to actually work those problems out that I think are really quite developed, especially for their age. And I think that's the work that's been done in the classroom that at home, knowing the work that is done there, we can reinforce that and use those words. An example of, though, um, being in the classroom, there was recently a poetry reading. All the children wrote poetry. There was a, um, a, a woman who came in from the community who's very experienced in that and led them through this over a few months and they had a poetry reading so all the parents were invited and the children served cookies and and all this and they stood up there and uh, Cindy led it and it was absolutely wonderful and what I found uh, a really great takeaway from that experience was in these with these kids were going up there presenting their work which was creative exciting um, imaginative unexpected they were very comfortable and confident, not only amongst their peers, but also all these parents there. And the other part of it was there was a, a sort of question period after each poet read their piece. And there was these great, compassionate, concerned, interested, engaged answers. And they're very respectful. And that's the environment that whenever I'm visiting, incidentally, picking up a child or dropping someone off, that's what I see. And then to see it amongst all these parents and, and just the confidence and compassion that these children bring to that environment. It was just wonderful, not to mention great poetry. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Great, great. And did you think of any examples, Anne? Um, I'm thinking about the playground and the huh. pool. Yep. When you've got large groups of kids together, and a lot of times it's very loud and very chaotic, and which can lead to tears and, and bad experiences. And when it starts to go in that direction, it's these Montessori kids that I see say to the group, hey, let's all play a game. And then they pay attention within the game playing. You know, that one's really little, so, and again, it speaks to that compassion. That one's really little, so let's slow down and let her catch up. Or, let, or let's, you know, somehow help these other ones along so that you, they're working as a community. They're very, very adept at that. Mm -hmm. Great stories, great stories. And, and that kind of responds to another uh, question I had. Um, there's a, a researcher, um, uh, Angel, Dr. Angeline Lillard, um, who is, is looking at the positive effects of Montessori education on social skills. And um, we all, all wonder when we have alternatives, um, is there research that, that uh, then supports those alternatives. It started with Maria Montessori's own research, but now there's more contemporary work. And you want to comment a little bit about um, some of that? Well, it was really great that she did that study, actually. It was done several years ago. Several years ago, yeah. and there's still more studies being done. There's actually a lot of study being done on, on the brain and the neuroscience science right. now of, uh, that has to do with a lot of, you know, the executive functioning of children. But she did, and so part of her work was that, but also what she did was she took, um, in Milwaukee, I believe, there were public school Montessori and public school alternatives that children were lotteried into, and that whole study uh, that she followed these children 
she, she did uh, research on how they did academically, how they did socially, how they worked with their executive functioning. Um, and the social piece was really stu stood out for, st for a lot of people. Executive functioning stood out for neuroscientists, so they were all wanting to now find out more of how this philosophy of 100 years ago is still working today and why is that so fascinating. And, um, you know, she found the same thing on the playgrounds, um, that children in Montessori, that went through a Montessori system had an ability to collapse, to to problem solve creatively when there were problems that came up or feeling make everyone feel inclusive um, and to lead they could lead but also follow and those were things that she found and, and they were comfortable they were comfortable in their own body there was there was this absence of competition and that's what she discovered which we kind of all know mm -hmm. <laughs> when we watch you know when we watch the children we see that but to have an actual research done on it and have it published in a, you know, educational journal was really exciting. Um, so, so that, that see, it strikes me is that all of those um, skills that you're talking about are skills that we desperately need in society as adults. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. if, if we could talk about the angry words or what, what words did you use, the, the unkind, unkind words, words. Mm -hmm. you, know, you know, Congress could use some of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Well, in the... Um, Lower <laughs> class, in the youngest classes that started two, uh, there were three general rules in the classroom, and those are pretty simple. They're be safe, be kind, and be gentle. Mm. And I, I referred back to those when I was having a discussion about, with, in our meeting the other day about, um, you know, unkind words. I said, I think you've been hearing this a while. And mm -hmm. they all, oh, yeah, I, know, I remember right. that, I remember that. Um, and basically, if you think about it, those are the three rules for all human beings being together. Right. Um, and part of Dr. Montessori's later work was um, modifying her curriculum so that children would understand their full human potential and what they had to contribute to the world. Mm. And that is a piece of how we support and direct children in our classrooms to um, find their unique abilities and talents and figure out a positive way to find their contribution. And so when you work with some of these older youngsters, um, how does that take shape? Examples of that as they begin to think about their full community, not just the classroom community, but that fuller community, how do they begin to think about that purpose and their, their purpose within it? Mm -hmm. um, community service is a big part of our curriculum and it begins in the school. What do we do for our classroom? So they may be building things, building furniture for the classroom or repairing furniture for the school. We take care of grounds around the school. And this year, the um, 9 to 12-year-old children participated in a uh, Belfast um, project of volunteering to keep the ice skating rink clear through the winter. So they had a couple of weeks that it was their responsibility to clear the rink that everybody used. And for the spring, we're planning a um, project to help clean up the city parks in Belfast. So they're learning that um, our community is our classroom, our school, our town. And we also support. Um, We've supported the food pantry in Belfast. And a couple of years ago, we had a couple of elementary students who found out about a water shortage in Africa and spearheaded a school-wide campaign to raise money for a project on well drilling over mm -hmm. there. So they're seeing that connect. And in their minds, it makes just as much sense to help the school as it does to help Africa. They, they just have that huge capacity as that age of child to... Decide, they just innately believe that they can help 
here in Belfast and here and in, 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 in Africa at the same level. That's great. But I'll just remind listeners and then sure. come back in just a second. Um, remind, remind listeners that we're t- uh, you're tuned to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. We're talking about Montessori education with the example of Belfast Corner Spring Montessori School. In the studio with us are Cindy Scapatetti, Capatici, I'm going to say that wrong, <laughs> um, head, head teacher in the lower ele- enter- elementary uh, level. Paula Johnson is the um, director of Corner Spring Montessori School. Matt O'Malia is a board member and a parent, and Anne Seguis is a uh, parent. Um, you can participate in our conversation about Montessori education. Perhaps you've got your own experience to share, or perhaps you have a question for our guests. You can call us at one 866 6259378 that's 18666259378 I was just going to add that the other way that it also plays out is that um, well there's twofold there's the community where they actually bring themselves into committees and have this collaboration and and it takes a lot of work to uh, have an idea and sh- and someone else have an idea and then come up with something together and that happens in the classroom alone just uh, setting the settings for lunch uh, the group that that is setting the settings for lunch have to decide how they want to do it it could be uh, color coordinated etc etc and so um, you know and then and then also they do a thing called m- meetings uh, classroom meetings and one of the things about that is that it's really based on positive discipline and where children are actually able to not have an adult manipulated but come up with take the solution that they're offered and choose a solution that they're offered and try to work through it and then revisit it later mm. so. such important work because I, I deal a lot with um, groups and I teach a college course in, in kind of community development and those are the skills that um, adults need um, to, to mm-hmm. make decisions in groups and and to, to have kind of an orderly process for doing so yeah. I'll, I'll remind listeners they can participate one eight six six. Six two five nine three seven eight. We do have a phone call. If you'd give us your first name and where you're calling from, and then go ahead with your question or comment, please. My name is Kristen, and I'm calling from Swanville. Great, welcome. Thank you. Um, I would just like to add, as a parent at Corner Spring Montessori, I have two daughters in Cindy's class, and I just wanted to speak to um, again about um, the commitment to peace and the studies of justice that they do with these children. Is is impeccable, and I have seen it in at work in our home. It's just it's glorious. And my youngest daughter, who's seven, um, she goes around and it recites a little prayer to herself that um, Cindy has offered the class, and it is, "May I be lo- in loving kindness. May I be well. May I be at peace and at ease. May I be happy." I just never heard words like that in school. I went to public school, and <laughs> it is, it's remarkable that at these, this age that they are really um, already taught how to find that place in themselves where they can come back to center, to calm themselves when they need it. And in the world, is such a stressful place. It's, it's, it, it is never too soon to learn these skills for ourselves, and I think it's wonderful, and they have a peace corner, and the children can choose to go to the peace corner when they need to find some a settled place within themselves. And it has inspired us to create one in our home, and it's been it's it's been an absolute blessing. 
So that strikes me as, as that's a self-care skill that's being taught at a very young age that <laughs> we adults kind of forget sometimes. Yes, and it, it'll be something that I know my children will come back to again and again for years to come. That's wonderful. Thanks so much for your call and for sharing that. Thank you. Thanks for putting Corner Spring on the air. Okay. <laughs> Bye-bye. One eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. If you've got a question or comment as we talk about Montessori education, that um, using Belfast Corner Spring Montessori School as an example, um, one of the things that that um, I, I know comes up is you have to raise money. This is not publicly supported work. How how does that work? How does the economics of of a um, Montessori school work? Who'd like to talk as a board member? Do you want to talk about that? Because that's a, a board responsibility is to make sure that there are resources for an institution. It is indeed. And, you know, I think at this point, there's a lot of families who make a commitment to the education of their children and um, do whatever they can to make it work for them. And I think it's a testament to the value of the education that's being um, provided, but it is it does come at an expense. There's a tuition payment and it's, you know, there's a lot of different options in terms of when the children are smaller, number of days that they go in the pre-kindergarten as they go up through the elementary. Um, but it, it is, I think, for everybody, a decision that has to be made. Uh, at the same time, we try very hard to provide tuition assistance where possible and to make that education affordable for those who choose to do it. Because, you know, we do know that times are tight. The economy, you know, needn't be mentioned, is, is, is still difficult. And I think for uh, the school, trying to keep the tuitions as low as possible while keeping the education as rich in the curriculum, as rich in the opportunities, as, as full as possible, is a very fine line to, to walk. Uh, we do have fundraising. We've been very successful with that, and we're, we do events uh, to that end. Um, and that helps with all of that. And we've also seen generous um, donations from the city of Belfast as well in support of us, as well as the community, parents, grandparents. So we're always reaching out to try and um, get folks interested in the school and support the school. Um, and, you know, we try and continue to walk the fine line of the affordability, but, you know, providing as much as we can to the teachers and, and, and the experience. So. so people who are who are investing with you um, by making donations or supporting you, what do you suppose that they're seeing that um, is of value here? Because it, it's, it's, yes, it's educating a group of, of kids who are enrolled, but is there mm -hmm. some wider thing that's going on that would say, oh, I'm going to make an investment in this, this place, do you mm -hmm. think? Well, I'll speak to that just briefly. Um, I do think on, as, as parents and grandparents, they see their children thriving, successful, happy, and they want to m do everything they can to improve that and continue on with that and support that. I think well, outside the community, what we're seeing, for example, with the city of Belfast, for example, as an example, uh, they saw the value of an alternative education and, and one that is seeking to provide that education to as many people uh, across the economic stratum as possible. And that's where uh, they felt comfortable uh, supporting the school. And I think others see it as a benefit to the community to have alternatives um, because it, it provides a diversity to uh, Belfast that is attractive to young families. And I think, uh, you know, that is another reason why the community um, who don't have their children directly involved see it as, as a, a place of value to the community. Great. Yeah, I, I just also just wanted to mention that I, in addition to our school, we also offer a child care component to our school. In other words, we have an early care and an after care and a summer camp that we provide. And um, that even extends further into having a relationship with a public school. So, you know, 
and and so we're out there not just with our enrolled children of um, that come to our school there, but we also provide um, another place for uh, for children to to go. Okay. It's, that's a real public service, right? Right, and and therefore deserving of public support. Yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. Great. Summer camp also is open to all students. Right. What about the, the role of parents? Um, obviously, um, you say as a parent, Matt, you're making a choice, but it seems to me there's a, there's a real connection, as you've described it, between what happens in the classroom and what happens at home. Talk a little bit more about how that works for, for both of you as parents. And Paula, you're, you're a parent as well. Well, well I just want to mention that with all education, parent involvement, it, regardless mm-hmm. of it being Montessori or Waldorf or public or anything, it, the, the parent child teacher connection is is the only way you have success with education in, in my belief mm-hmm. and so um, you know keeping the parents involved having face-to-face conversations having parent education nights things like that are ways that we try to tie parents into our environment and have an open door policy you know that they can come in um, you know and volunteer in the classroom as well to see how it goes so mm-hmm. um, that's a piece of it Mm-hmm. And what would you add to that? That's right on. I think the school's very, very open to the parents coming in and spending time. I can talk to my kid's teacher whenever I feel the need. I can email her, and I'll always get a response. Um, I think the, the the general sort of holistic nature of the way they conduct education allows for what happens in the school to bleed into after school and weekends and Henry comes home and talks about what he did during his day and over the weekend he he brings up something he learned over over the week or might have learned last year mm-hmm. and connects it to what's happening that day mm-hmm. like he's able to to make these links between very different worlds that he experiences and and connect them all together. He gets how they relate to each other. Mm. I'll just list our phone number one more time, 1-866-625-9378. Perhaps you've got a question about how Montessori um, schools work, or perhaps you've got your own experience to share, 1-866-625-9378. Matt, anything to add about that parent and school connection and yeah. how, how it's reinforced, self-reinforcing? Yeah, I think, as Paula mentioned, they, the school does a lot of outreach to parents in terms of that educational piece of how the children are being educated, why, what the philosophy is, what the value of the Montessori education is. And I think it's an active part of the Montessori experience and, and really done well. And I think for me as a, as a parent, as I've gone through with our children learning the different stages of their development and having that articulated by the staff and the type of work that they do and those sort of lessons that they're learning and and the development level that they're at has been extremely informative, just as I know a lot more about my children's <laughs> development than I ever thought I would, which is fantastic. It really lends to better understanding just in the day-to-day um, of what they're going through and, and why. And then the other part of that is is when they do come home, like you were saying, Anne, they're just full of interest and curiosity. And going back to the rock example, they were out playing out behind the house, the two boys, and they came across this rock that was, to me, it looked like a piece of coal or something. I know We didn't know what it was. They were really excited about this discovery, and they said, we've got to take it into school, and we're going to examine its properties, and we're going to find out what it is. And this has been an ongoing 
project for a week now where we've been asking them feedback. So how's the rock study coming? Well, we've, we've determined that it has these properties and so forth, but they have been sort of meticulously working through identifying this. And the, the teacher in that case, the science teacher, um, has been helping support them do that, but not saying, oh, it's this rock, okay, next. Uh, you know, it's been this letting them discover what it is. And I think that just interest that they're in their world around them is something that they bring home to us and is exciting because we're always looking things up, trying to make connections and links to things that they're learning. And it's learning all over again for me about mm -hmm. just the sort of richness of the experience. Mm -hmm. So it's, it is wonderful. Well, it sounds like there's a the wonderful kind of um, helping students discover rather than giving answers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and Cindy, would you say more about that, um, that, that philosophy or that notion? Mm -hmm. Yes, one of the things Paula mentioned when she started talking was the environment. And um, teachers in Montessori schools usually view themselves as part of the environment. Mm. Um, and that our role is to have the classroom set up and have the materials that the, we kind of anticipate what the children might be needing and have those materials available in the classroom. With the geology, we've had to find some pretty interesting things to bring in so they'd have everything they needed there. But it's that um, observation of what the children are doing and where their curiosity is and having those um, materials available for them. Um, last year, volcanoes was the thing we were on for most of the year. So it was a, a totally different classroom. And in fact, um, the assistant said to me the other day, how come we don't have that volcano shelf? And I said, no one's really interested in this year. But we've had to find the things that they are interested in. So the classroom changes based on the needs and the interests of the children. Mm. Next month, um, we're, we're going to feature a, a program on, on uh, teacher renewal, kind of. Um, mm. So I'll stick with you for a minute, uh, Cindy. Uh, how do you renew yourself? You, you, <laughs> and you describe the, the situation of, of being in the public school and mm -hmm. saying, I, I just can't go back to that because of, I imagine, that there were kinds of stresses and, and concerns. You're in a Montessori situation, but there's how do you renew yourself? How do you how do you keep that freshness? <laughs> um, I think a a great deal of my renewal actually happens in the classroom. If I'm feeling stressed or if I'm feeling less calm or peaceful, I usually offer something in the classroom that will help me get get that back some level of that. And there's usually children who are needing the same level of that as well. But I think in my personal life, I do try to make sure that I have time to do the things that I love, which are gardening, and I, and, um, I try to bring that into the classroom, too. I guess. So maybe I'm just making my classroom meet my needs a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I work gardening a lot this year and um, quilting, which mm -hmm. I do um, as a calming and creative outlet for mm -hmm. myself. Also, and, and uh, well, I just wanted ahead, to mention that Maine, Maine has a Maine Montessori Association where teachers mm -hmm. and administrators, and we've been credited as actually being a really strong organization compared to other states. And I don't know if that's because we're small, uh, but they have a really, uh, they bring in a lot of great speakers and do a lot of work. And we get to get together twice a year, and sometimes three times a year, as a whole group uh, to listen to lectures that and then have time to have discussions that do renew us as teachers mm -hmm. and also as administrators. Um, so because administrators you, need re yeah, renewal too, well, don't you? Well, they do. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a little both, so right. I need both. Right. Um, 
And and in terms of the, the, the dynamic between the public school setting and the alternative you're providing, um, I could imagine you'd wish that all public schools would adopt this philosophy. Do you find curiosity from um, teachers in the public school setting as to what's happening in the Montessori school? What, what's the relationship between public school and Montessori um, that you're seeing, that you're yeah. kind of observing? I think it's both. I, I mean, I, what ends up happening is we don't want it to be a competitive right. thing where one thing versus the other. We are completely different than uh, the traditional setting in that we are a non-competitive environment. We don't do grades. We don't do tests unless they're self-tests and tests that uh, have purpose for the individual. Um, and we're not under the auspices of, of you know, this uh, no child left behind or, or the the strict um, standard-based curriculum and I think that if teachers I think a lot of teachers really good teachers know that that standard-based curriculum doesn't work and they want to go back to what they know naturally and I think that 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 they're just under a whole different uh, pressure of having to teach and and it's unfortunate that they do but I think their fascination is yeah, we know this. We just can't do it. Right. You know, we're we're not really allowed to in some ways. And and yet, when you if you if you don't have those uh, testing um, kind of standards, standard based testing, um, and yet your your young people who who move through Montessori do fine in the rest of their lives. So so mm -hmm. how how do you talk about that that difference and 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 maybe perhaps convince people that it works? And, and well, there certainly is a trust level there that has to you mm. know, that. What you do want to address that, Matt? Go well, ahead. I, yeah. I can just share from my own daughter, who's now in seventh grade after going through the sixth grades at the Montessori, that you know we wondered when she goes from a Montessori-based education to standard, uh, how will she do? Uh, what is it going to be like for her? Will she be able, will she be able to adapt? Um, will her skills be sufficient? And what we found is she's done very well. Because I think the skills that she learned were, how do I solve this problem? <laughs> and sometimes in the beginning, we're talking about, well, they're asking kind of a different question, aren't they, now, in, in this sort of standard realm? And so you have to develop a way of answering that that's going to suit them. And it, in that case, it was a test. And so she got, she figured out how to, the studying piece worked and, and all that. And I think for us, we were happy to see that transition and um, her success in both arenas. And I just think a lot of her confidence in learning and excitement and enthusiasm was just translated into the different structure. I think kids, uh, from my perspective, they're, they're quite flexible and malleable okay. and, and can solve many problems on their own. And I think when they're giving that all through those years in the early elementary and before, you know, they just start to apply them. Hmm. We have time for a couple more phone calls. If you're interested, um, give us a call at 1-866-625-9378 as we talk about Montessori um, education. Um, besides the, the kind of uh, funding challenge, are there mm -hmm. other challenges that you face in, in kind of operating a Montessori school that, that uh, you, you kind of struggle with from time to time? Well, funding's a huge piece. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I mean, our teachers are a very dedicated group of uh, individuals who, who, and I think that's in education, um, but, I, but I, you know, I think they're one of the lowest paid, you know, in, in terms of if you were to be in a public school versus our, our school. And it's, it's telling that they want to be there for that because they are actually doing exactly what the children are. They have autonomy. They have mastery. They have purpose in what they do. But I, I think our challenges are, personally, I, I 
see too many people. My challenge is that I get a lot of calls of people who want to be here. Be, you know, if we, if this was an, a public school, I think we'd have a line out the door. And we, ch we, um, and it's a struggle for the commute, for some families to be able to um, come to our school. And we do what we can to provide funds for that to happen or, or everything that we can to have that happen if that's what they would want to have. So I think that that's a struggle. Mm. Um, and then uh, finding support when we have uh, special needs. Mm -hmm. You know, that mm -hmm. is a, that's also a, a little bit of a struggle. Special needs in, in individual students? Individual students. Right. Like, uh, there's, you know, there's special needs and learning disabilities and, and students that actually do really well in a Montessori environment because we, the way the, the um, environment is designed, it really calls to, um, you know, the executive functioning, helping with that, and different things that we do are exactly what they would get in OT or, mm -hmm. or in speech and language, but higher needs that, mm -hmm. that we can't really provide right. for. Let's take a phone call. Go ahead and give us your first name and perhaps the town you're calling from, and then go ahead with your question or comment, please. Hola. Uh, hi. My name is Irene. I live in Guzboro. Yes. Eight years ago, I came from Mexico. I'm a Montessori teacher. I'm a mother of, of a Montessori kids. Mm. They are 30 and 26. They already live in the world. And one of the things that I was listening that came to my mind that I want to share is, like, you spend time. And uh, here, I noticed not that people spend years putting money away for sending their kids to the universities. Yes. And what we do, what we do as parents, I, as I did, my, I, I did that when they were kids. I spent all the time sharing that education, and uh, the result is amazing. The people, the friends that we met, the connection that we have only because of Montessori. Hmm. Montessori is a present, has been a present in my life. It changed everything. <laughs> so I'm very happy to listen to what is happening in Belfast. And you are welcome to come. We have a place called Socalo, and we are doing little Montessori style, but in the normal life. Mm. Thank well, you. Thank, thank you, you so, so much, much for your phone call this morning. It sounds like, the, and, and there's a little lesson there. If we, sp if we spent um, time and energy working with our youngest children and not worrying so much about mm -hmm. that longer-term education thing, we might be better off because those kids are going to be fine. In, mm -hmm. And they may not, um, you know, have the, the money to go to college, but they've got some skills there, and they can figure out that other right. piece. Yeah. Right. But what a wonderful story! Somebody whose was, nice. life was changed. I bet you hear a lot of those stories mm -hmm. in your own work. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to see if I could just do a little plug-in <laughs> on the funding piece. Sure, uh, sure. Tomorrow night yes. uh, in uh, Northport at the Blue Goose, we are having a fundraiser. Great. Uh, it's a dance, and uh, it's all ages. Uh, from six to nine, six, six to nine, nine. Um, and the hips, it's a rock and roll band, will be playing there. And, Great. Um, so we welcome anybody to come that would like to come so out. Blue Goose tomorrow night? Blue Goose tomorrow night. Great. Yeah. Great. Well, let's, let's uh, begin to, um, to close and maybe share some of your hopes for the future. Each of you, um, from perhaps a different perspective, will we'll end with Paula, but maybe we'll start with um, Matt or Ann. What are your hopes for the future of, of Montessori education um, broadly or, or narrowly at, at Corner Spring? Ann? Um, I don't, Paula touched on this, I don't believe it. it is the answer for the universe. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of different kinds of people and a lot of different models of education. This is what works perfectly for my family 
imperfectly for a lot of other families. I would like to see it expand to be available to more families mm. that, that would choose this sort of model. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at, you had handed me a, a page of Montessori graduates and Montessori advocates, and I'm looking at these names and, and thinking about the one thing that they all have in common. We have Peter Drucker, who does organizational um, so he management consulting. Management consulting, right, right. thank you. Um, Catherine Graham from the Washington Post, Julia Childs, the founder of Wikipedia, the founder of Google, Alice Waters, who's um, a leader in the, uh, she's the pioneer of the local food movement that is so huge now. Thomas Edison, Eric Erickson, and Jean, Jean Piaget, and Mr. Rogers, <laughs> who every single one of them not only excelled in their field, but took it six steps beyond and were incredibly creative and changed the world mm. in their individual fields. Great. And that's what I see Montessori as being able to provide Great. is a base that creates people that are able to think outside the box Great. on Matt, that level. your hopes? Well, you know, having seen my children do very, very well there and, and thrive, it's one thing that I would hope for every family to have a and education experience for their children to be similar to that. And I think Anne points out very well that, um, you know, it's it's worked for our family, it's worked for Anne's, it works for some, it's not for everybody. Um, but I would, you know, as on the work on the board that we've done, um, continue to try and make it as available as possible uh, to as many people who are seeking it out uh, for their children. Because I do think in some cases it's a, a very good fit for the children. and to be able to have that as a choice, um, I think is a, is a huge and, and very good goal. Mm -hmm. And Cindy, <laughs> what's your hope? Uh, my hope is that th is the same as what mm -hmm. I've heard so far, that um, Corner Spring continue to flourish and help children learn to be their best selves and uh, come to understand the role that they have to play in the bigger picture of humankind. Mm -hmm. And I would just like to say that um, as Montessori fits for some children, it fits for some teachers. So mm. it is a fit for me. Mm. It wasn't that I saw any problem with where I was before, right. but this seemed a natural connection right. to me, and that's why I'm so happy where I am. Great. And Paula, Paula Johnson. Well, in closing, all, all of what they said, but I also, uh, you know, uh, want to say that I, I want it to continue to be a non-stressful environment for kids because you're seeing a lot more talk about children being stressful and, and we do a lot of work with children learning how to not be stressful and uh, that work causes a calmness in our in, in children and I'd love to see public school embrace that um, if anything and I think um, what I like uh, in addition to our school um, flourishing is is for um, and for it to be for anybody that wants to have this choice of education is children to come out of this um, with uh, learning how to live in a com community and support each other um, and know how to be part of a team and also know how to lead um, and I also um, how to take their talents and contribute to the better, the bigger world. Great. So. Thank you so much. We've come to that time when I want to remind you that this program was produced with support from Cooperative Extension and the Hancock County Extension Association. With offices in each county, Cooperative Extension is the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine. Our radio collaboration with WERU began in 1990 and continues with your support. 
Join us from 10 to 11 on the second and fourth Friday mornings of each month for Talk of the Towns. Our theme music is a medley from Coronac on a Balmain House Highland music recording. Thanks again to our guests in the studio from Corner Spring Montessori School in Belfast, Paula Johnson, who is the administrator or director of Corner Spring, Cindy Scapatici, who is the head teacher at the lower elementary level, Matt O'Malia, a board member and a parent, and Anne Savis, a parent. Thanks to all of you for being with us this morning. Thanks to those of you who listened and called in with your questions and experience. Thanks so much to our underwriters. Thanks to Joel Mann for engineering our program. And stay tuned for On the Wing with Joel Raymond. This is Ron Beard, your host for Talk of the, Talk of the Towns, wishing you a good morning. <laughs>